Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, joined by my co-host, Jason Madison. And we have a special guest today, Baron Davis. What's up, Baron? What's up, dogs? What's happening? Now, Baron Davis is an American former basketball player, professional basketball player, current analyst for the NBA on TNT. He's also an actor and a film producer who has produced the documentaries Crips and Bloods Made it in America and directed the Drew, no excuse, just produce. Baron, this is the one of the two. You ready? Yeah. Tams or fresh and meaty? Damn. Uh, Tams. Kobe or Jordan? Uh, Kobe for me. Wow. Shea Cotton or Evan Burns? Shea Cotton. 
AD and Brian or Magic and Kareem? Shit. That's tough. Magic and Kareem, because that inspired me to hope. T-Mac or Harden? Damn. Harden. T-Mac was called, though, but Harden. Got to keep it L.A. Would you rather control people's reactions or control time? Time. 90s or the 2000s? Hmm. 2000s. Yeah. Brandy or Monica? Uh, Brandy. Paul Pierce or Andre Miller? Oh, man, you can't do that. He <laughs> <laughs> can't do that. He can't do that. Yeah. I mean, you got to go, you know, if we talking body of work, truth, you know what I mean? If we talking, you know, east side, legend, legendary, you know what I mean? Aficionado and, and just a savant of the game, you talking Andre Miller. So, you know, Andre Miller was my big homie. Paul Pierce is my big bro. So, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Martin or Fresh Prince? Martin. Prince or MJ? Damn, Michael Jackson. Kendrick or Nas? Kendrick. Jay-Z or Kanye? Jay-Z. Cash money or no limit? Damn, cash right. money. Boomerang or Harlem Nights? Oh, shit. Harlem Nights. Finding Forrester or Blue Chips? Blue Chips. Jurassic Park or The Last Jedi? That's tough. Last Jedi, Star Wars for sure. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Anchorman. Double rim or no net? Uh, no net. Would you rather go no phone ever or no laptop ever? Uh, no laptop ever. Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings? Game of Thrones, that's easy. Free food for life or free clothes for life? Uh, free food. L.A. or the Bay? L.A. Myrtle Beach or Coney Island? Uh, Myrtle Beach. Nice. Compton or Watts? Damn. <laughs> Watts, Watts, South Central Watts, that's where we from. Yeah. Skate Depot or World on Wheels? Depend on which one. Uh, Skate Depot and Cerritos? Yeah. Yeah, not the Valley. Nah, world, world on Wheels. Crenshaw or the Marathon? Marathon. Worldwide Tacos or Ramonas? Damn. Damn. That's fucked up, dog. <laughs> That's fucked up. You hear the homies in the <laughs> background laughing. That's fucked up. I mean, you uh damn. Worldwide tacos. You already know. Yeah. Would you rather lose damn, your Damn, Ramona's be jamming now, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you hurt my heart with that. We was just talking about going to get some Ramona's. Yeah, I was a diet though. Shit. Would you rather lose your sense of taste or your sense of smell? I would say probably my sense of smell. Yeah. Um, 
No YouTube ever or no IG ever? Think about it. No IG ever. Okay. Nintendo or Sega Genesis? Oh, shit. Damn. I would have to go with Sega Genesis. I got one now. Yeah. Spades or Uno? Uno. Well, I, I never lost a spade game. You never lost a spade game? No. Wow. So I can only play spades with one with one person. Who's that? Coach Rico Hines. That was my college roommate. We ain't Shout lost to Rico. a game since college. We ain't yeah. lost a game since college. That's killer. Mastros or crustaceans? Crustaceans. Yeah. Would you rather hang out with the funny homie or the rich homie? The funny homie. Pass or shoot? Pass first. Feeling nothing or feeling everything? Feeling everything. What's the best in-game dunk of all time? Yours against AK-47 or Vince Carter against the seven-footer in the Olympics? Uh, probably, I mean, shit, what Vince Carter did was crazy. He jumped over a seven-foot head in the Olympics. Yeah. Mine was playoffs, you know what I mean? And yours was a playoff situation. It was a little bit more intensity. Yeah, it, it, it had more, like, bells and whistles on it. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one, happiness or success? Happiness. For sure. That's the one of the two. We're going to jump right into it, talk some childhood stuff. And then uh, definitely yeah. at the end, we got a, I got a question that I asked all our guests. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, reading. How, what, was, what was reading like for you uh, in your childhood? For me, it was, a, it was an escape. You know, growing up in South Central, uh, obviously the Bible, all the parables of the Bible, that's how we started out. And I always say, you know, the Bible is the best story, you know, best complete stories and you know for us you know it, it started with the bible and then at school it was just a, a great way to like explore and disconnect right you know disconnect from the world that we were actually seeing and being able to you know go into a book or go into another kid's life you know what i'm saying and basically like explore i remember i would i would i would read under uh, our dining room table a lot like that was my most comfortable place because you know you know just how, how how that intensity feel at night you know growing up in the neighborhood uh where we grew up in so you know potential bullets fly maybe not but at the same time it was you know the most comfortable was being on the floor do you have a favorite book do i have a favorite book now i like you know i like rich dad poor dad um obviously uh the autobiography of malcolm x um uh, the 40 million dollar slave was a great book and i like dr seuss yeah that's a good <laughs> that's a good one right there all right and uh, Dahl, people like that like kids books okay yeah yeah definitely always got to have the you know the kids books too roller skating what was roller skating for you man roller skating was a uh Roller skating's a vibe, bro. You know what I mean? That was like a that was the only time we could leave the neighborhood, you know what I mean? And go somewhere and being a kid, you know, whether it was gospel night or, or kids' night and R and B night, 
you just got a, 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 a chance and a place to go and just have some fun. So just like staying connected to the old school music. But, you know, on skates, like you have to be able to get down, right? So for me, I, I, I used to practice basketball some days in my roller skates, right? You know, it would just be days I wouldn't take my skates off and I skate to the uh to the hoop court, right? And I just like, you know what I mean? Just kind of like envision different moves and di things like that, but just trying to learn how to dribble in my roller skates, shoot, things like that. Four wheels or two wheels? Uh, Four wheels. Yeah, I think a lot of people, that's my mom really liked to skate and uh, she OG, she from Santana Block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she from Santana Block, but uh, you know. She already know what it yeah, is. Yeah, so she, she, she folded she the tongue. She skate crew. Yeah, no, nah, she was back in the day. And that's the thing, like you mentioned, uh, Cerritos Skate Depot. She would pull up there and obviously she hit World on Wheels um, back in the day too. But she would fold the tongue and had a fat laces and all that shit. And that was... You know, oh, she probably yeah. she probably one of the coldest skaters I I seen. You know, I got <laughs> a chance to see a couple, but she always used to tell me like, you know, she old school, so she be like, homeboy, like you don't even know like the four wheels with the fat laces. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So she was telling me like, you know, how much I didn't inherit them type of skills like that, but you know, she was nice with it, and she, <laughs> and she also used to rap and shit. That, so that was, was pretty close tight. when you was growing up, dog. It was yeah. close when you was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I caught the back end of that. Um, all right, so this is very relatable between me and you. Um, fake gangbanging. You have to be from the city to only know this and what it was like. Uh, I'll just start off first with, you know, my dad uh, was like one of the originators of Elm Street Piru, right? Mm -hmm. Mike Loke. Uh, and pretty much just growing around family. Like, like I mentioned, my mom, she was from Tanis. My pops is from, you know, Elm. So it was like a, a tug of war. And like my mom already was like on the fence about like me wearing red. And like a lot of people don't know that. Like in the 90s or late 80s before like with Jerry Curls and, the, you know, British yeah. Knights and K-Swiss and how that culture was, you know, my mom was a, a, a rapper and my dad was a break dancer. And then once he got into the D game, he was just like, I'm cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm about to, you know, about to be with the shits. And it was so crazy because he used to always put me in all red. I had the little Ben Davis fit, high socks. I used to be at the Compton Swap me all the time. <laughs> Just all that shit. Um, yeah, but I lost. I, yeah, yeah, straight up. <laughs> so I had a. Uh, I ended up losing my pops in '94, and like after that, I felt like it was a family business, pretty much. So I started banging for a little bit, you know. And it was so crazy because I would go hoop at Looters Park in the swoosh league and be giving it up for the set yeah. when I hit a three or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, but I also knew that you couldn't do both. You can do both, but it you ain't can. a chance. That, but it ain't a chance. You really it's gambling not. with your life. Cause yeah, yeah. you know, that was the thing. Like I grew up at Rosecrans yeah. and Mayo and the three high schools you can go to in Compton was Centennial, Compton or Dominguez. Now, obviously I grew up right. like term in the background right now. So I was the five. I grew up watching him, you know what I mean? I grew up watching Tommy and Tayshawn and James Jones. And, you know, I can go down the line with, with those cats, you know, and I was I was there when Tyson was there and Steve Moore and the rest of those guys. But, uh, right. you know, that was predominantly a Crip school. You know what I mean? Like, it was a Crip yep. school. So, 
even when I transferred my junior year to Compton, that was even more of an all crib school. Like, yeah, no, for sure. People don't even understand that stuff. So, um, on your side, with you going to, because you went to another school before Crossroads, would you want to jump into that? No, I went to uh, I went to elementary school. So from Crossroads, I got a scholarship in seventh grade. Okay. So that shit just kind of low-key saved me, dog, because growing up, you see your homeboys in seventh grade, like the things that they struggle with, I don't have to deal with, right? You know, I'm coming home down there six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night from Santa Monica. So that kind of kept me in a, in a space. And you know what I'm talking about, where you could hang with your homeboys, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you have work to do. Yeah. Right? So I was busy enough trying to figure out how the fuck I'm going to get to school. Right? Or are we going to figure out how we get into school? More so than, like, like I can't, like, skip school. My shit is Santa Monica. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think with that, that just kind of, like, created this kind of path. Like, you know, it was on parallel paths but kind of created this fork in the road that allowed me to kind of like maneuver. You know what I mean? And then like, as you get older, you start seeing like your homeboys, like they really like start being with the shits. Yeah. And that'd be seventh grade, eighth grade. And you're like, damn dog, like, do I want to be a part of this? Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> you know was, that was one is thing this, that I had to choose early. For me? Yeah, is this I had to I choose early. Me? I would go to Apollo park. I would go to Wilson Park. I would go to all these runs. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to hoop. But I right. the homie like, yo, go put your keys in my bag. And he got like maybe a, a heat with him. Yeah. I'm like, yo, what's this? Like, yo, what you on? You know what I mean? Because you ideally thinking like, okay, I thought we put that away because you're still trying to do this. And it's like, you can't no. do both. You know what I mean? Especially if we go to a pickup, right? I remember hooping at Jesse Owens Park. And nigga pressed me like, nigga, what's up? Nigga, where you from? I'm looking back, I'm like, hold on, this nigga serious? We hooping. He swing yeah. at me. I end up having to get out on the court. But that was because somebody and then you gotta, me. And then you got to worry about leaving. That That's a whole nother whole <laughs> get down. That's a whole nother get down that a lot of people don't have to, to right. have to deal with, you know what I mean, in other areas. And they used to just be like, you know, just seeing it from a different perspective, whether it was dope dealers like betting on you hooping, if you was nice yeah. like that. And then also just dealing with the bullshit of trying to get home. Like you said, school kind of distracted you and saved your life in certain situations where you mm -hmm. kind of would have been hanging with the homies regardless because yeah. that's just what we knew. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you ain't going to yeah. judge nobody, probably even to this day. You got some people that you like, hey, man, they, they ain't doing what they supposed to be doing, but I got love for them and I'm never going to turn my back on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I remember I was in 10th grade. I uh, broke my ankle. And I was playing dominoes, and I had nowhere to go. And I remember telling the homies, man, I'm about to start banging the hood, too. They was like, man, shut up. You know what I mean? They was like, yo, man, shut up. Like, you ain't about to start doing shit. Right. I was like, fool, I'm about to start banging the hood. I'm about to transfer to Fremont. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it was just like, I just want to be around my homies. Right. Right, I had a whole summer. I ain't seen them. You know what I mean? I have been gone. And hoop slowed me down, and they was like, "Nah, 
this ain't for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so was you, was you catching the bus from Crossroads back to the hood every day? No, so I had to carpool. So I would have, I I would have um, this lady and her and her uh, this young lady her and um, her daughter was a gray younger. So Carolyn Carolyn Roper, shout out to Carolyn Roper. She used to drive me to school. Then it was uh, Aaron Aaron Irving. She used to drive me to school. So sometimes it was like bus in the morning. Kawan Woods, he drove me to school. So it was just, you know, the first year my grandfather would drive me and then my AAU coach would pick me up uh, off Crenshaw and Manchester and take me, you know what I mean, drop me off in Santa Monica and then pick me up from school after he would get off work in Burbank and shit. So it was just like a, a, a village of people and a community of people just really making sacrifices, you know? Right. And I appreciated that shit, bro. I appreciated that shit because, like, you know, you see, like, your homeboys in seventh, eighth grade getting killed and shit, getting locked up, going to jail. And it's like, man, you got to appreciate what people do for you. You know what I mean? Yep. And I just, you know, it was just like everybody tried to make a way out of no way for me to get to this school. So I ain't really want to upset them or fail them, you know? For real. So how did it feel? Like being at Crossroads, being probably one of the only black kids, like hooping, you know what I'm saying, and being in that environment. Uh, it was different, man. I would say for Crossroads, like, you know, I didn't understand it. It didn't understand me. But at the same time, it gave me a great opportunity to be understood. Right. And I, it gave me a place where, you know, they allowed me to be who – I thought I was what I wanted to be, but more so, like, it was a place that I could let my guard down, you know? And the relationship grew, you know, as a student, I grew. But I started to, like, you know, it, I always say Crossroads taught me to question everything, right? They empowered me to ask questions, to have an opinion, to, you know, have a name, right? To have a name and not not so much a name as far as like what you do, but who you are and what you believe in. And so just thinking about that, you know, as I was growing through Crossroads, I was always thinking about, okay, I got to be a bridge from where I come from to where I'm at school at today. If I can like make it out of here, you know what I mean? And use this, then I can hope, hopefully come back and bring, build a bridge because I was like, damn, once again, here I am, hella fortunate, right? I'm hella fortunate now because I'm getting to learn things that, you know, can help me with PTSD that I ain't know nothing about, right? right. I can be in an environment where I ain't really got to worry about, you know, getting shot, getting robbed, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm away, you know right. what I'm saying? And so I was hella fortunate, man, and it was just like, for me, I just wanted to build that bridge, right? As I start getting older and older and older and just draw more and more connection, you know, to my neighborhood and where I was from, right? And Crossroads accepted that. And it was crazy because the kids was curious about it. They were, you know, they, they were, um, you know, we were thinking about it, talking about it in class, talking about the world. It wasn't just like, you know, history class. We was just really diving in on, you know, human behavior and, and, and 
people is, you know, we had an a, a open platform to express ourselves as peers. And I think we all kind of made each other more aware of the world around us. You know what I mean? And especially LA as a city. How did you, uh, did you ever have any doubts? Like I know you mentioned when you, you, you got hurt and you know, you, you wanted to go to Fremont. Did you have any regrets that you didn't play four years at another school? Or like, you know, because obviously there's different sections. Yeah. We always had those arguments about CIF first city. Like, cause mm-hmm. I always think about Dominguez versus Westchester. If like, we really would have had that head up fade all the time, you know, versus, you know, cause yeah. everybody always talks about their teams being the best. And I know you went to these camps and you got a chance to hoop at UCLA in the summer with the pros, but like yeah. being in that league play and actually talking to somebody that always you see now to this day that talk shit like, if Crossroads would have seen this team, we would have yeah. beat y'all, you know. Yeah, and that's what I tried to do my senior year. I wanted to – we went to Dominguez, played at Dominguez on a Wednesday night. So you know I was there yeah. as a little kid. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, I was I was know. there as, as a little kid. Shout out <laughs> to Kenny Bruner and Tay. Yeah, and that was the man, first time I ever seen live. you play. That was the first time I ever seen you play. That's crazy, bro. But you was like – I watched the Shea Cotton documentary a couple of days ago. And uh-huh. it was like a myth because we didn't have the internet like that. You know what I mean? It was kind right. of word of, word of mouth stuff. If you wasn't in the backyard at seeing Dominguez hoop and you young, you there. Go, yeah, you really wasn't. You had to be there. So like you had to be there, dog. my first time seeing, just even hearing about, I'm getting, getting chill bumps talking about this shit right now. But overall, like seeing that shit, cause like I knew Kenny, like I'm like, yo, I'm yeah. all about Kenny. You know, I live by the O'Bannons in Compton. Hey dog, Ken- Kenny was on the news damn near every week in Compton. Man, it was, I mean, like, just Dominguez <laughs> in general, like, Willie Hirsch, you can go know, down the line, Jason know, Thomas. Like yeah. So when you right. came and you did your thing, you know, I'm just like, wow, that's Baron Davis, you know? And right. when you got hurt and, you you know, obviously you went to UCLA, that's the reason why I became a UCLA fan. Same reason why I wore number one in high school. So it was a lot. It ran really deep. Yeah. Um, and I know my young homie, actually, uh, you took him under his wing, Dash Harris. Yeah. Now, Big Dash saved my life. He Got would it. take me to the uh, Westchester Girls Gym, and we would work out. Shout out to Big Dash, bro. Man, real one. Gotta real start one. getting the ones, you know, they flowers yep. who help. You know, he Damn was a dark. part of my life. There's a couple people, you know what I mean, in general, that just dark took that, just yep. gave, just gave they, they time. You know what I'm saying? It was myself, uh, mm-hmm. Dash, Richard Munns, Ruben, and Jamal Boykins. We would yep. play twos and threes in that little gym every single day like and he didn't have to do that you know what i'm saying and right. you know it's it's just it's just dope that i got to experience that but like overall i remember when you had call for help <laughs> oh, <laughs> back yeah. in the day and it was nothing but hitters in there nothing but right. hitters in there like you know a lot of people a lot of people don't know nothing about that and then also big guard you you know what I'm saying? I remember yeah. you was probably the first person to do your camp, dog, and you had everybody yeah. at the camp. And that the, the, the bump was serious. Can you explain that, a little that, bit about that time? Hey, that, that, that call for help, that was killer. Because anybody who thought they had some ones, please show up to the gym. Because that's all we do in knockout. No, we used to play knockout. Me, Jay Hart, uh, Kenny Bruner, Bing, uh, all the top guards in L.A. Danny Walker, Tony Bland. And it was like, yo, 
closeout drills, one-on-one drills, just everybody trying to sharpen their skills, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when I when I turned pro, I wanted to start, like, giving back. And I felt like the best thing I could do was kind of start giving back the knowledge and, like, yo, I'm right here, dog. You know what I mean? I'm right here. Y'all right here. Don't give up. I don't care how long it takes. Don't give up. Stick to this shit. This shit gonna get us out of here. And I'm right here. Y'all just as good and y'all can make it. Y'all just as good as these dudes. And so I did a camp. You know, I did a Baron Davis camp where I invited high school, college, pro dudes, all to like, you know, just work out together. So the high school dudes could see, like, yo, we right here, bro. Right in the middle. We just three years away. The college dudes, stick to it, bro. Even if you're going through a bad time, you could, like, look at this dude's story. Look at that. Like, it was so many stories to connect to. You know, for me, it was like, that. that's what I wanted for L.A. basketball. That's what I wanted for the guys who who needed it. You feel what I'm saying? That could make it who needed it. You know, the top dogs was going to be the top dogs and they was going to get there. But the dudes who, like, had the game to push through to, like, pop the culture open, you know what I'm saying? To be like, yo, we should all be in, we should all be in the league. You feel yeah. me? We all nice. I don't care where you went. UCLA, you know what I mean? Anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that's, that was my goal is to, is, is to get them dudes as close as they possibly could to the league and, and, and to my life, my lifestyle, how I was training, how I was hooping. And so I started bringing the NBA homies and start calling in all the college dudes from around the country so people can start recognizing, like, yo, we got some dope dudes like Bobby Brown, you know what I mean, over at Fullerton, right? You got Pooh up in Portland. And so that's what that's what that camp was for, to build one, build relationships but also get, you know, these West Coast, our West Coast guards getting their name out. Yeah, I, I can actually say that I was salty because I wasn't nice enough at that time. I was at Texas Southern playing low D1, but um, we crossed hey man, we, 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 we No, 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 not, it's not. I ain't got nothing to do with that. No, ain't got nothing to do with you that. You should have been there. I definitely, definitely tried to get in on that, on that, on that bump. You know who real. took that spot? Her. You said who, Turner? <laughs> Turner, yeah. Turner came in there, took a jersey. Hey, no, nah, hey. Term had, Term had all the gear when he would come back to Dominguez, man. He's the first nigga I've seen in, in, in real life that didn't hoop in the league that had an NBA headband. And, and the baggy shorts. Listen, Term, Term was showing, 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 it, showing it live for, for the young homies. But um, I know you always give flowers to the ones before you, but I definitely uh, dubbed you as the godfather of L.A. And because of that, because you showed us, like, there's so many people, obviously, that did it before you, but just also being touchable. And what, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people were Hollywood when they got off. Yeah, and it ain't ain't even Hollywood. It's just when you're there, you're so damn busy, right? Yeah. And you're trying to figure it out. And it's like, it's not like you're leaving the homies. It's just like, man, I got a real job. Like, this shit ain't. This shit ain't cool no more, my dude. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? We playing high stakes, high risk, high reward. You know what I mean? And it's a lot of things that I want to do. I just, one, like, nigga, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, so how am I supposed to help you? 
Like, you just looking at the bread. you looking at where I'm at, what I'm doing, what you think, and think that this shit is easy. And so for a lot of dudes, like, it's hard enough to hoop and, like, stay focused on that and try and have a life and try and have a career. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, like, your homies don't understand that, bro. You know what I mean? I'm dealing with that like, right now. Like, they don't even, like, some, like, I'm retired, right? And my homeboys don't understand, like, yo, bro, I got a job. They be like, nigga, what you working for? For one, just because you got bread don't mean that you don't want to make more money. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing that people fail to realize, because once you yeah, get complacent. Yeah, but a lot of times it's the work. Yeah. You just want to work. You want to be on the team. Yep. Right? And, man, people don't want to work. Right? Or sometimes, like, people don't understand. Like, yo, I, like, I need to be busy working. Mm-hmm. I'm not good just sitting around doing nothing, you know what I mean, for a week. And then another week, and it's like, yo, hold on. <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> what's after this? You know right. what I mean? So for me, it's like I like to get up. I like to work. I like to create. I like to build things. You know, I think it's a great opportunity when you retire to, you know, reinvent yourself and, you know, just think about if I was younger, what would I do knowing, you know, someone that like me now? Yeah, for sure. Um, Who's your favorite teammate of all time? Man, that's tough. You got Steven Jackson is up there. You got Monte Ellis up there. You got Jay Rich. Uh, you got Jamal McGlure. You got, uh, you know, I held the backcourt down with David Weston, um, Jamal Mashburn, you know, um, dudes like that. Um, Zach Randolph. I ain't get a chance to play with him that much with the Clippers, but, you know, like he was one of my favorite teammates. You, you named a lot of uh, your Warriors teammates. Yeah. Uh, on that 2007 run, um, that's when, when there was uh, the hyphy movement in the Bay Area and all that. Yeah, was what, was, uh, what was that like? like and then what, what rappers was, like, really showing y'all love on the squad? Man, the whole Bay was showing us love, man. I think, you know, the We Believe always say it's a story of the Bay, right? Because, you know, the music was the music was always there. But, you know, it's like football, baseball, they was in and out of doing their thing. But it was basketball that, you know, that the city was wanting to connect with. And when we got there, it's like when we went on a run, dog, I'm telling you, it's just like a year and a half. Man, we turned that city out with that, t- that city. Every time we turned up, they turned it up 10 notches. They turned it 10 notches. You feel what I'm saying? Right. I remember the first time I went out to the club, uh, it was me and Rico, and I just got traded, and I just wanted to get out, catch a vibe. Man, it was in there going crazy, dog. I was like, oh, my god. Do you remember what spot it was? I can't remember what spot. I was with Ray Young, Rico Hines, and everybody was going to get stupid. Go stupid, go, go, go stupid, go, 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 go,
<laughs> did you ever did you ever go to uh Jesso's? Of course. Yeah. So during that year, um, the following year, uh, I think after you had signed with the Clippers, I went down there with Marcus Williams. And oh, I, <laughs> during that time, obviously, Nelly was still at, uh, coaching and then Al was on his way out, headed to New York. Then he got traded for Jamal Crawford that year and Jack was still there. Um, Monte got hurt. It was an interesting year. And then Rico was on the coaching staff. Um, yeah. Man, we hit so many spots, and I used to just be like, "Man, I wish Baron was still here, man." Because man, I did too. It it was definitely it was definitely like you said. I mean, win or lose, the Oracle, aka the Oracle, was always going up. Bro, that's you know what I mean? So sick. It was, it was it. I I said when I got there, it was sick. We had won like nine of the last twelve games, and it was crazy. I was like, "Yo, this shit go." And then the next year, you know, we had Mike Montgomery, and he was trying to, he was trying to take all the energy out the goddamn building um, as a coach. You know what I mean? But the yeah, energy yeah. was did there. He try to, did, there. Did he try to bring like a college feel to it? He just couldn't relate. Yeah, I feel it. Nelly was more relaxed you know what too. I mean? If you I can't make a layup, <laughs> you know what I mean. If you, <laughs> If you can't make the layup, like, you know, at a certain point, you got to know how to teach. Right. Right. <clears throat> you got to know how to relate. Right. And then you also need to have to know how to coach. That's, right? that's true. A lot of coaching is managing feelings and expectations and putting people in the best situations to be themselves and hiding their weaknesses. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times coaches – are extremely insecure, you know, because they have to make decisions on the fly. And a lot of them have, you know, anxious mentalities. And mm -hmm. so in a case of Mike Montgomery being a college coach, you know, college, you know, you're not going nowhere. Mm -hmm. You can sit there, you can control the game. You know, it's a different type of control. You know what I mean? You get to set your piece, set what you want to do. And the pros, you got to adjust to the players that are coming in and the players that are growing. So it's ever-evolving. On top of that, you got to worry about your job. On top of that, you got to worry about the other team. And you got to make fast decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to live with decisions that's going to make some people mad, some people, uh, you know, some people going to feel happy or not happy. You know, you got to deal with a lot of emotions. Right. And for Mike Montgomery, I think it was just he was just in over his head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that all the time with, with, with college. But coaches. we had great coaches like Terry Stouts was over there. Keith Smart. Really? Was over there. I remember Keith Smart. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know Stouts was over there. Hell yeah. Terry Stouts was over there. But, you know, a lot of times, like if he would have just let Terry Stouts just do it, you know, like yeah. ego, man. Terry yeah. Stouts. Terry Stouts was dope. When I first got there, you know, towards the end of the season, the head coach started letting the assistant coaches coach. Mm -hmm. So Stouts had us popping. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then the next year, Mike Montgomery came back trying to coach. So it was over after that. Yeah, y'all already had turned y'all backs on him on that. Well, he just didn't know what he was – you know, he just didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? He didn't mm -hmm. see it. He didn't see how 
to make it work. So he was just making it more difficult because he relied on what he was used to, and that was trying to control the game. Yeah. Um, so you're on the analyst side now. You do some, you know, some broadcasting stuff. How do you feel about the broadcast game now being on that side behind the desk? Like, I know I, I watch Twitter all the time and see, you know, certain guys say, you know, they need more players' voices. And my opinion on it, you know, I, I work on the analyst side too. Um, I do see some certain players that may have had some competitive rivalries with other players and won't give those players that are still playing credit um, and don't eliminate bias. And then you have other players who also have played the game but talk like they don't know the game. How do you feel about that? Uh, you got to just pick the right ones, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, it's tough sitting behind that desk because you got to be sharp, you got to be witty, and you got to have about a minute worth of preparation of what you're going to say. It's a mm-hmm. fun job because you get to talk about, you know, uh, the players now, players of the past, I think. It's really about your approach. You know right. what I'm saying? For me, I just want it to be a – I want to be a voice and a connective to the youth, to legacy, to, you know, draw comparisons, be fun, be funny, right? <laughs> I think I think now it's more entertaining, right? Because, you know, and honesty is the best policy, right? Right. Being wrong a lot. I think that's what makes, you know, that TNT crew with Chuck and, and – and Shaq and, and Kenny, they're so great when you hear about, you know, and accurate when they when they watch the games and it's the playoffs and they're talking about, you know, certain situations and, 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 and players and moments and things like that. It's just like so much knowledge to absorb, but at the same time, they're not preachy about it, right? Right. And shout out to Ernie for like, you know, just kind of being a master host. And and that is not only a skill, but an incredible talent. Incredible yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. He's a, he's a legend. Yeah, he's such a great ringleader for all of those personalities, man. Like, to deal with Shaq and Chuck and, and Kenny is like, you, you can only imagine having to calm them dudes down when they're on a run or a rant. We expect to see Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Yo, man. We only had four hey. months to realize we were about to play. Hey. <laughs> Not going to be late I, for what that kind, What kind of dummies late to work the first day? <laughs> if you lose two... Hey, way to show up, big fella. Don't try to sneak in here. Are you only seven foot three. Yeah, come on. You could, there he comes, ladies Well, you got to sneak me out. <laughs> Tell me about the New Orleans MTV, M- MTV Cribs uh, episode. It was a lot. Man, that crib was baller. That shit was fun, man. That was a good time. I actually uh, rented my house to MTV after I got traded for the real world, New Orleans. This is the true story of seven strangers. Take to live in a mansion, work together, and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. The real world. New Orleans. That's correct. You got traded right before Katrina hit, right? I got traded the year of Katrina. That's how it happened. Yeah, I was going back to get my stuff, and I was in Miami for the MTV Awards. And I remember uh, 
I was like, man, we gonna go the next day. And when we woke up, you know, it was a flood. That's crazy. So and it was uh, like, we gonna stay in Miami for another day. Right. And we wind up, you know, and if we would have left and took our flight, we would have been stuck in a hurricane. That's wild. So you, so you came back to play for the city, you played for the Clippers, but when Donald Sterling on the team, how hard was it playing for an owner who was known as a racist? And then did, did you know, like, beforehand how disrespectful he was before you signed with them? Not at all. Yeah. I found that out on the, at the press conference. Yeah. How did you find out? The head of communications came up and told me that. Wow. So they just told you, like, yo, this dude is, is a racist. He, he don't no, he didn't say he was racist. He was just like, yo, don't pay him no attention. He gonna come up. He may say some shit to you. I was like, what kind of shit you mean? I was like, what you mean? I just kept saying, what you mean? Like, what? Like, basically, like, what you talking about? He was like, right. I don't know. He may say some shit that's inappropriate, that may rub you the wrong way. And I was like, nah, he ain't gonna say that shit to me. I'm cool. <laughs> I ain't got shit to worry about. You know what I mean? I'm home. I ain't got time for that shit. Yeah. And did did he say anything crazy to you ever? Yeah, we we have he has some words. I have some words with him. Yeah. Leave it at that. Right, right, right. No, for sure. You know for what sure. I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, I heard that, like, your grandmother was very integral into your upbringing, you know, as was mine or two of mine, you know, and I feel like it's a very, like, you know, important part of a lot of young black men's upbringing is their grandmothers, you know, whether the parents is, you know, there or working or whatever, you know, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how important she was to you? Man, my grandmother was everything. You know what I mean? It's just like when you look at somebody who just like never wavered, yo. You know what I mean? Never wavered. You know what I'm saying? Like could always count on, you know, she always has something positive to say. You know, it was just like everything that she told you was like for your best interest and for your best good, right? And to have somebody like that in your life that's also willing to take care of you, you know what I mean? And, like, everything she told me, like, was right, bro. She ain't never told me no shit that was wrong or wrong for me, you know what I mean? She never showed me nothing that was wrong or the wrong way to do things. And so when you talk about grandmothers, right, and my grandmother, right, she was – she was everything. She was everything for me. And she was so incredible that, you know, I shared her with everybody I came in contact with. You know what I mean? All my homeboys who didn't have moms and shit like that. Man, mm-hmm. I shared my grandmother. And she loved that shit. You know what I mean? She ate it up. Right. And, and that just made it better, right? Because, like, she looked at all of us different. Right. She looked at all of us different, despite, you know, what our kids have been through and went through. She looked at us. She looked at all of us like way different. And that shit just had so much meaning and power to it. 
Yeah, no, I feel you, man. My grandmother's very similar. And it's like, once you, everybody's hooping or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did music, so it was like, I would have homies in the hood coming through, you know, like, doing music in the garage or whatever, and she'd be making spaghetti, you know, like, taking care yeah. of them as if they was hers, you know? Yep. Yep. Like, nobody went unfair. You come to my house, you know what I mean? Yep. She had to go back, even if she had to go back in and make up some more shit, she would do that. Yep. And she was like, you know, she just made all the right decisions. When I wanted to go to Fremont, she was like, no way. You're going to have to figure out how to do that on your own. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can go. Yeah. You right. can go there all you want. When school right. start, yeah. at Crossroads, you got to go to Crossroads. So keep going. That's cool. Hang out with your friends. Right. See what they do at class? Man, I thought I was going to Fremont. She was <laughs> like, go. Yeah, you can go. As soon as you figure out how you're going to sign for yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I got this set up for you over here. And I didn't get it, but, like, as I got older, I got it, you know? Yeah. You got that like, wisdom. Granny's no best. Yeah. And it's like they, they don't, you know, they – they let you be a kid so you can joke. Uh, you know, me and my granny, we crack jokes on people. You know what I mean? Yeah. We crack jokes on people. So she was just like an incredible person, man. I just try to embody her spirit, you know what I mean, her personality. Even when I'm going through uh, tough times and not being the best person I can be, you know what I mean? It's always like I can connect to, to her in those lessons. Yeah. Yeah. That's valid. That's valid. All right. Our last question, Baron, that we always ask all our, uh, all our guests is what advice would you give 18 year old Baron? Man, stay focused. You don't have to do it for everybody. You know what I mean? Just hoop and go in the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would say. Just hoop. Workout, hoop, you don't have to, you don't have to, like, put the entire world on your back when you do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to just hoop. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Hoop and everything else to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Well, Baron, man, thank you so much, man, for joining us tonight. Um Definitely, definitely pleasure breaking bread with you, man. So, all right, yeah, have a good one, dog. All right, man, you too.